Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jason Lewis, the producer of the From the Shadows podcast, and I would like to welcome you back to this week's episode of the podcast, where we will continue with the enthralling interview with Nick Redford. So without any more delay, let's continue with the interview right where we left off last week. If you happen to have missed last week's episode, well, you've missed a lot. So go back and listen to what you've missed. And for the rest of us, we'll continue on. Enjoy. So, you know, a lot of people don't think of that, but the idea that the government may be hiding things because they actually don't know what's going on rather than that they do know what's going on. It's, pro- it's probably better for them to, for people to think all oh, they know what's going on and they're hiding it than yeah. to actually yeah. think, Say, hey, God, they don't really know anything. Know. They don't know anything. Well, I mean, exactly. the, 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 yeah. you'd have to concede. I mean, if the government had bodies, they would have to concede. You know, a cursory understanding of cosmology, you know, says, look, the nearest star is four million light years away. And so for something to travel from, from let alone the, the, our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy or somewhere other, we're talking about a species that would have probably evolved millions of years before the Earth. And therefore, they have they have mastered some sort of uh, they've mined the, lith- the lithium crystals like in Star Trek, where they <laughs> but they would have some. They, but you'd have to have some sort of propulsion system that would that would allow you to do interstellar well, travel. Well, and, if if we have all this super technology, then why is the best thing they can do to you, Nick, is just call you up on the phone and make it sound like somebody's trying to fax you a form over your cell phone with the noise coming through? You know how how does that how does that tie? You know what I'm saying? Like that's nothing. Like, if they had, if yeah, if, they, if they're like having pieces. super technology, you know, if we have all the super technology and they're trying to hide it from you or scare you off, then you know why are they doing the same stuff the judge used to do back to gr- teenage girls and call oh, up and breathe, going to the, breathe heavy going. in I'm the sure, phone? I'm sure Nick has went to the <laughs> pub and got home at three o'clock in the morning and. And called an ex-girlfriend and, and things like that. Like we, uh, <laughs> I think what they're, they're trying to do is, like you said, they don't. Nick want doesn't us have to, to answer that question. Yeah, but, yeah, but we yeah. already know they that. don't want us to lose faith in our government structures. Like you said, we have a social. Contract. It's too late. That's what makes <laughs> society late. work. It's too right. late. And well, on top of that, yeah. if it was anybody that would have that technology that can travel from millions of light years away in a time span that would be favorable that we would actually be able to communicate with them and they can go back and forth. Yeah. Well, then their physics has got to be a... They have a better understanding of physics than we do. Well, they'd have to have some sort of gravity drive. Well, I think more than likely, I think they'd probably learn how to manipulate time and space. We can't even have, We can't even get a highway for more than a mile that doesn't have five giant potholes in it, let alone travel. You know what I'm saying? So, Nick, in, in your <laughs> hey, research... What, what, Nick, do you have an, an angle on uh, aliens possibly ma- master of space-time being able to, to somehow bend space-time in order to probably transport from one part of the universe to the other part of the universe? Well, yeah, I mean, if aliens are coming here and, you know, they're coming from another star system, I mean, there's no way that they could use the kind of technology that we're using now because I mean it would literally take millions of years you know hundreds of thousands of years I mean the nearest like the nearest star from here is 4.2 light years away and a light year is 186,000 miles every second mm-hmm. so that means for us to travel even for us to travel at 186,000 miles per second it would still take us 
four years to get to the nearest star. That's how far away we are. You know, that's um, which right. sounds it's almost impossible to get your head around the, the, that kind of distance. So I think the only way they could get from there to here, well, I'd say there's two ways. One is that you know somehow kind of bending time, so mm -hmm. you, you kind of distort time. So you know what would normally be you know a ten thousand, literally like a ten thousand year flight, um, could you know bending time, you could do it perhaps in minutes or seconds. And the other angle would be um, not so much bending time. But sort of jumping dimensions, which would be kind of kind of almost identical, but slightly different. You know, on the one hand, right. you're you're sort of you're altering time or you're bending time, but in the other one, you're jumping like from one reality to another. So I think it has to be one or two of those, and um, because I cannot see really any other way how you could you know you could co cover such vast distances. Um, in such a quick time, you know. Yeah, it, it was it Enrico uh, Fermi, the uh, Italian. Swami. Yeah, not Enrico oh, Swami. Enrico Swami. Okay. Uh, or was it Enrico Fermi came up the Fermi paradox to explain why we haven't had any evidence of real evidence of, of other civilizations, and and he talk about that with the Fermi paradox and stuff like that. So, so what then? You know, you talk, we're talking about the Men in Black. What role do they play? Are they a government entity? Are they an alien entity? What 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 are they, or what do you believe they are? Well, well, I've done I've written four books on the men in black and one on sort of the lesser known women in black phenomenon. And um, you know, if you bring if you bring up the issue of the men in black, most people, particularly outside of this subject, you know, they'll think of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, you know, because <laughs> that's. Everybody, you know, you don't have to be into all this to know what the Men in Black are because the movies were so successful that everybody knows. You know, you could ask any, your next-door neighbor, who are the Men in Black? Oh, yeah, those people who go after the aliens. Everybody knows that now. But uh, in the movies, you know, which were good fun, you know, they're entertaining movies, but the Hollywood chose to present the Men in Black as, as kind of like um, UFO James Bonds, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but if you speak to the vast majority of all the MIB witnesses, you know, somebody sees a UFO or they have an abduction encounter and they get a knock on the door late at night, kind of similar to the black-eyed children, actually, you know, and they find a way into the home and they threaten people not to talk about UFOs. And, um, and they, you know, they still to this day wear the black suits and interestingly enough, even today, when people have seen the uh, Man in Black, they've still been wearing like the fedoras that they wore, and the, this is talked about back in the 50s. So, you know, the, there is kind of a parallel and a crossover between the Hat Man and the Man in Black. But what's weird about the, the Man in Black is that they don't look entirely human, entirely normal. Some of them have said their skin kind of looks like a really thin but sophisticated mask um almost like somebody who'd had plastic surgery if they got burned kind of something like that their, their skin didn't look completely right um and some of them said their eyes kind of looked slightly bigger than normal and um in some cases people have said they wear these wraparound sunglasses which might explain you know the reason might be because they don't want to show off these sort of large eyes so i think you know with you've got the fedora hats and the pulled down um excuse me, i mean the the pulled up collar and the you know the the sunglasses which are really big i think there's an atmosphere of like camouflage they they kind of look vaguely like us but if you were to see them up close up you would see some differences and uh, one of the things a lot of people have said is that when they looked at the man in black they couldn't figure out how old were they were it was you know were they, were they like 30 uh, excuse me were they like 50 but look 30 or were they kind of 30 you know it was like they kind of looked like someone who just you couldn't figure their age 
uh, because they just had no lines. But it was like too smooth, you know, as if they'd been pulled back. Kind of like they thing. did in. A, I'm a big, big Star Wars fan. Like they did to Graham Moff Tarkin in the uh, in Rogue One. <laughs> if you're familiar with that, <laughs> with, well, with, with the, you know, with the computer generated face that that makes someone who's not even alive yeah. anymore. They took the, yeah. their likeness. But, um, and, but if you if you want to sort of get a good picture of how most of the witnesses describe the men in black, it's not as I said like the Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones movies, but but it does relate to a movie. The best way I can describe them is if you see a movie that came out in um, nineteen ninety eight and um, it was called I've forgotten the name. <laughs> um, I'll have to remember the name, but um, it was kind of like The Matrix, yeah, but it came before The Matrix. Oh, Dark City. That's what oh, it's a wonderful Dark movie, City. great movie. Yeah. Well, if you, if you, if you go and see, if you see Dark City, um, in that movie, you've got black, uh, men in black type characters who come out at night and they wear, they wear the old style hats and they look really skinny and they look pale and mm-hmm. they just don't look fully human. So for people listening who want to know what the real Man in Black look like, uh, watch Dark City and you'll get a, a good, uh, a good vi- uh, vision of them. Alyssa, is that, is that what the guy that asked for your number looked like? Well, he did not look like a human, that's for sure. His face was super pale. And, I mean, he looked, I don't know, really young. There was four of them. And they looked really young, super pale, really sharp dressed, had sunglasses on, and it was just really weird. Now, did they speak? Did they speak to you, Alyssa? Lisa? No, this me. No, they didn't even make. This is a weird thing. Me and my mom went to the store, and there was about four parking spaces from us. And me and my mom looked at each other, and we made a joke. And I say, "Wouldn't that be funny if that was a men in black?" They looked at me and laughed. Like, there was no way they could have heard me. And I went into the store and came back out, and they were gone. And right away, I got hoard Nick, telling him what I seen. And I think it was the next day he called me, and I told him what happened. And the only thing I can think of is my grandpa lives not even less than 10 minutes from the Space Center. So I don't know if that has any connection with it or what. Hmm. Hmm, yeah, it was strange. I mean, and the way you described yeah. it, you know, was similar to, uh, particularly like the pale skin, and and they usually mm-hmm. are. But if, rarely, there are some, uh, like a, a couple of famous ones where there was just one man in black, but it usually is two or three, and they sort of have these starey eyes and white. You know, the skin is like white, white, kind of like the, the black-eyed children. So I do sometimes wonder if. Because with the clothing and everything else, if the hat man, the shadow people, the men in black, black-eyed children, I sometimes wonder they could actually all be part of the same phenomenon, you know. And, and so you're of, a, you're of the belief this is from the alien side. They're coming to check. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the men in black. If There's so many stories of the men in black going back to the early 50s right to, to now. And for me, this is not one that you can put the blame on the government. It, the real men in black are not from the government. There's something much, much weirder. Well, the, the real problem I have with the Hollywood version of men in black is, and being a mailman, is how they portrayed the post office and the men in black, those being where they hide all the aliens and let those guys be the mail, be the mail characters. Yeah, yeah you need somebody who's responsible. I know, I can't throw, you know, we can't, it's, these are well, Nick, unacceptable what, what about standards. A theory, I mean, what about a theory that the men in black do work for the government. However, the the aliens and the government have been working together for years. That, that we've almost have a other government agency type situation. Mm. Why the reason why it costs five hundred dollars for a toilet seat is because in government spending they funnel this money. Somehow imagine how good how, Imagine yeah. how much reading you could get done with a five hundred dollar toilet seat. It depends on how comfortable <laughs> it really is. But I mean, is it? I mean, any theory as to that possibly, you know, the men in black have partnered with the government, you know, secret government agency that operates, you know, below the, you know, the radar of of the FBI, CIA, and stuff like that to to work in tandem, for whatever reason that might be. Oh well, that that's interesting because there there are a few stories, not many, but there's a, a famous story 
um, of a guy who worked at Area 51 in the early 1970s. And, you know, a lot of the guys who work at Area 51, they're out there for like a week, 10 days, you know, and then they come back home, back to Nevada, you know, Las Vegas, wherever they live, you know, for two days, and then they go back for another eight days. So, in other words, because they're out at Area 51 for such a long time, like a week on and four days off, that kind of thing, they've got like a cafeterias and just everything you'll need, beds, everything, you know. Um, and there was a, a guy who came forward and said that um, one particular day, this is like 1972, 73, that everybody who was in the cafeteria was told to go and sit over the other side of the cafeteria. And they said these weird guys in black suits, looking really pale and strange, shuffled in and just kind of sat down there staring at the employees and then the security guys said okay you need to leave now and they didn't know what happened after that but um but yeah you know you, you sit you sit having your lunch and then suddenly you know these skinny pale faced guys sit down next to you and and then the security guards come along and say okay you know we can't have you in here with these and then people say well what are they you know that's none of your business kind of thing you know <laughs> so there are stories like that where there might be some sort of connection between the government working or having or at the very least you know having knowledge of these of the men in black but i think i think to a great degree the government knows there is a, a genuine and very weird mystery surrounding the men in black but i don't think the government knows exactly what the mib are are they aliens or are they paranormal creatures or are they connected to the occult kind of like with the hat man um but the government knows enough to know that there is an mib phenomenon do you have any information on since we are in ohio we're broadcasting from ohio that whatever spacecraft crashed in roswell was put on a train and brought to wright patterson air force base in dayton ohio oh yeah mm -hmm. i know i haven't i don't really or I haven't really sort of investigated, you know, the whole Wright-Patterson, Ohio stuff. But, I mean, I've read a lot of that stuff. I mean, that's sort of a, you know, Wright-Patterson, I mean, you know, that's kind of viewed for a lot of people before Area 51 came on the scene, you know. Wright-Patterson was seen as the place where, you know, crashed UFOs and dead aliens were all stored. I mean... Um, Hang Hangar 18 is yep. what... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hangar 18. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, people, when they go on tours... Um, of Wright Patterson today, you know, you, you can go on tours there. I'm sure, you know, out of every 20 people who go on the tour, I'm sure one or two say, you know, where, where do you keep the aliens? You know, <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm sure they get tired of hearing that question all the time. You know? Now, now you said the word tour, and I want to segue into something that the judge was very interested in was the tour that you took. Oh, yeah. With a couple. Okay, so. <laughs> let, let, all right, so, Nick, <laughs> ha having been a younger man and <laughs> having enjoyed the, the, the creature known as whiskey, um, <laughs> I was fascinated with your story when you and two buddies decided that you were going to take six weeks and travel about Great Britain in search of monsters and creatures and, and whatnot. And, uh, and go slow telling this because we're taking notes. Oh, this because we're <laughs> well. I, I'm sitting there and, and I'm thinking to myself, what better thing could any guy do than to get two guys in an RV for six weeks and travel all over the country, hitting every bar and pub there is, and looking for monsters? I mean, is there a better life scenario than was that, that the best six weeks of your life? Just go ahead and admit it now. Um, well, it was definitely one of them. <laughs> and, um, but, yeah, I mean, um, we were all friends. We still are all friends. You know, I don't see them that much often anymore, unfortunately. But we still, you know, Facebook, phones now and again. But, um, yeah, this it kind of sort of epitomizes basically what all of us do in this field is that, you know, you can, if you want to find Bigfoot, you want to find lake monsters, you want to find, you know, this strange creature, that strange creature, you really do have to, go looking for them and that's what we you know we all still do 
and uh, because I think that's the only way to get the answers. And one of the good things is, you know, you don't have to always go a long way to track down, you know, a strange creature. I mean, mo I'm sure every single U.S. state has probably a couple of dozen stories of, you know, the mm -hmm. the late monster in this area, you know, or the the paranormal creature that lives under the bridge, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so, you know, I mean, as well as hopefully finding some answers, you, as you said, you know, you can have a good fun time sort of traveling <laughs> around and um, checking out different places and uh, investigating this, investigating that. And that's what I did, you know, with the book was to to sort of write it in journal style. Um, kind of like a travel you know. log. Yeah, like a travel log and just and keep it as it is, you know. You sort of get in the vehicle, you crank up the music and hit the road and put the Ramones on or something like that, you know. <laughs> and um, and then we, you just go looking off for monsters and have a, have a good time and hopefully, you know, find something in the process. Now, the Dallas Journal Express did a review of this book. And they just they said envision Hunter Thompson, which I assume is, is well hold on isn't it? Hunter okay. Thompson, okay. Iggy Pop, and Keith Richards joining the cast of the X Files. So the question is, <laughs> who are you? Who are you? Are you Hunter Thompson, uh, Iggy Pop, or Keith Richards? I, I think I'd, I'd go for Iggy Pop. Oh, okay. Right. Well, because well, I, I grew up on punk music, you know, and he was with the Stooges and all that. And, uh, yeah. you know, he was, uh, I wasn't around, you know, when um, listening to music when the Stooges around. And I was, uh, I just wasn't around. But, um, you know, in terms of uh, so my, my favorite big, music is, is punk music. That's what I love. So were you a big Maybe Sex Pistols fan? Yeah, my, my two favorite bands. I, I can't, I can't sort of, Put it down to one. my two favorite bands are the the Ramones and the Misfits. And, uh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know, I think he's kind of like a punk guy, you know. So, um, but that that's amazing. You found that. I remember that um, review. I don't know how you got hold of that. <laughs> hey, the, the the judge does his research. All right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, I, but I stumbled does. upon the book. But, um, I, I stumbled upon the book. You can buy it on Amazon, by the way. And I thought, my gosh, what? get two guys to go with you and just travel about in an RV and, and go to bars and meet people and talk about the paranormal and monsters and you guys went after the monkey man and just what a what a great adventure to take six weeks out of your life. I think I can imagine that Jason the super producer and, and Grover here our host and, and the three of us getting in an RV and taking off and you know you know why he likes it because I don't drink absolutely so, he, so, <laughs> so, so these guys know that they can just do even crazier stuff than what you guys did. <laughs> well, you know, but I mean, you know that that's what very often happens on you know expeditions. Is it, it be, does become a road trip because. You know, you go and looking for something, and you know expeditions, and um, and just as you're going along, you just have a good time. You know, whether you're looking for Mothman or or whatever it is, um, and I think you know most people who go on into the field, so to speak, would would sort of would agree with me that, that you do have like a, a high degree of like you know camaraderie where you would all hang out together and you know you make friends and um that's not the, the primary reason you went out there but that's that's how it happened you know it's like it's human nature you you make memories you make friends and and look for monsters so. yeah i mean you're gonna be you're gonna be attracted to the same people that are like-minded and enjoy the same yeah. things and, yeah and, exactly uh, now yeah. now on um so what's what have you had any personal experiences either paranormal supernatural or cryptid yourself and we asked that question because we had ken gerhardt on, yes yeah and mm -hmm. and ken said you know i've talked to all these people but i've never personally mm -hmm. had yeah. had an experience like this so yeah well i've had a few kind of like ken i haven't had that many things um i do get a lot of synchronicities and um you know which but people, you know, if you don't know what a synchronicity is for any of the listeners, it's basically if you have like a, a meaningful coincidence where, 
you know, as if something which is such a strange coincidence is almost like, you know, some supernatural power sort of made something happen that you would never have believed could have happened, you know, sort of a really wild coincidence. I always, I never kind of uh, dismiss um, synchronicities because I think something is kind of driving you down this path or that way and it's, and you shouldn't um, ignore it. But I actually did once, probably about, uh, I honestly couldn't tell you now, maybe five, six, seven years ago, but I had a, a hat man dream in the dead of night. And it was, I was like semi-paralyzed and I just saw like, um, like a, a vague shadow and it probably lasted maybe 10, 15 seconds. But I mean, but it, it was, you know, it was like a classic situation like that. Um, beyond that, not really, you know, not really too much. Um, but I guess my job is more to sort of chronicle people's experiences, you know, rather than running into Nessie and Bigfoot every other week or whatever. <laughs> now, 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 are, now are, you, are you okay with that, that you're not running into Bigfoot and Batman on a regular well, basis? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I'd prefer it if one day I could actually, you know, see these things sort of, you know, in the daylight and actually see them for what they are and get up close. Um, or, you know, be on the shores of this lake or that lake, you know, looking for Champ or Argo Pogo and get definitive footage. I mean, that would be, you know, the, the primary goal, obviously, for anybody who does this. Mm. But, you know... I've spoken to a lot of genuine, um, very highly credible people, which may, which for me is an important thing because it demonstrates you're not wasting your time. You know, that there are people who've seen these things and photographed them, filmed, etc. So, yeah, I'd like to be on the other side of it, you know, where I could say, yes, I saw it. But, uh, as I said, I've still got that enthusiasm I had as a kid. So, you know, I'll just keep doing it. Then hopefully, you know will find one of these things and if not well hopefully i you know i did the best job that i could you know <laughs> so are you saying if we showed up tomorrow with an rv in front of the house you'd be game to go oh go? yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean the way i look at it i'm joining i'm coming along hey there's no listen there's no girls allowed on this <laughs> So, 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 Nick, what, what do you, if you could discover one thing definitively for yourself, what would be the one thing that, above all else, that you'd really like to experience and know beyond a shadow of a doubt? That, that now, you, take out the monetizing factor of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, anybody that found yeah. a carcass of Bigfoot yeah. would say, well, yeah, and I'm now essentially a millionaire. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, is, well, you know, what would be the one thing that you'd, if you could only have one thing happen that you just absolutely knew for a fact. If you were like Dr. Faust and you had to sell your soul to the devil for knowledge, what would it be? Oh, <laughs> well, there's one thing that I really would like to go and, on an expedition. And um, a lot of people may not have heard of this, but um, it's, it basically uh, relates to Australia. Now, a lot of people think Australia is just sort of desert, you know. You've got like a few cities like um, Adelaide and Sydney and the rest is just desert, uh, desert and, and um, kangaroos. You know, that's not like that at all. Um, there's massive portions of, um, of Australia, which are forest, rainforest. I mean, gigantic areas like this, you know, there's crocodiles and alligators i mean it really is kind of almost like in the everglades in much of um, portions of australia and up until round about ten thousand years ago there was a gigantic monitor lizard um you know if you've seen a picture of like a komodo dragon these really large vicious vicious um mm -hmm. monitor lizards um they used to be one that lived in Australia up to about 10,000 years ago called Megalania. And it was a huge um, monitor lizard that could grow to about 20 feet long and sometime maybe a little bit more than that. And it's interesting that particularly in the 1800s, the 1900s and early part of the 20th century, there were reports of people still seeing Megalania, these large, huge, vicious lizards, in the wilds of Australia um, up to 
the 20th century. But um, there are a number of reports also from the 1950s, and the, the latest I've got is the 1980s. Um, and for me, that would be like the ultimate kind of expedition to go on would be to go to Australia and investigate some of these reports of these sort of 25-foot-long monitor lizards and, and prove that against all the odds that Megalania didn't become extinct after all, but that possibly could be lurking in the wilder, deeper and darker um, rainforests and so on and, um, and just say... Yep, I found it, you know. <laughs> well, i got to be honest with you, that wasn't what I expected. Hey, no kidding. No well, that just, would be yeah. fascinating right there. Uh, yep. I was thinking the same thing, but my uh, favorite uh, prehistoric creature is the Megalodon, the giant mm. shark. I thought he was going to say Barney. You stole my idea, dude. I was going to say the oh, Megalodon, too. Oh, yeah, the Megalodon, I mean, the, the sheer <laughs> immense size and the power of that thing, because sharks are nothing but oh, yeah. machines anyway. If I can, you know, prove that maybe one of those is still in the deep, dark parts of the ocean that we can't yep. go down to, that, to me, that would be it. That and being able to discover the aliens. i got to be honest. You guys are picking out things that you might see them, but yeah. then that's you're not going to get to tell anybody because a 25-foot lizard is going to eat you. The shark's going <laughs> to... I mean... Yeah, that's right. I'd probably I, uh, end up as lunch or something. Yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> I know. You know it right I finally discovered yeah. it. Oh, that's it. So, so, Nick, I don't know if you're familiar. Probably not. But when I was about 15 years old, I had a dog man experience that, that I've told oh, well. the story. It, it terrifying. I was, I was out for a run, believe it or not. And this thing was in the corn and it was following me and pacing me. And when I finally was able to get away, I'm not telling the story all over again. But I saw it, and it was, you know, six foot tall. And at the time, the only frame of reference, because this was like 1985, 86, somewhere in there, the only frame of reference I had was the Egyptian god Anubis. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I never thought werewolf, because as a kid growing up, I grew up with Lon Chaney, you know, wearing a pair of jeans and a torn flannel shirt and a flat face. But so for me, you know, I've seen a dog, man. I know that it exists. I know it's real. For me, what I'd love to really know is if fairies from Iceland were real and that they were really interdimensional beings and that you could go from, you could split through the veil and go from our world to their world mm. and that you could have life everlasting. The fairy Mortality. World. Immortality. Well, isn't Fairy, that part yeah, of fairies, the, the whole lore is they're, they're yeah, immortal. Isn't that part of the uh, Middle Earth lore, lore? Nick, you want to chime in on this? <laughs> well... Well, I mean, you know, if you look, you can look all around the world and find legends of mythology and folklore of like, you know, the little people, that kind of thing. Right. But, you know, if you, if you go back and look at the older stories versus today, what we have today, it's kind of all been sort of dumbed down where the little people are sort of like little glistening creatures with wings, you know, that kind of look like fairies and angels you know, and um, kind of like Tinkerbell, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing, or <laughs> sort of thing you'd see on like a Christmas card, you know. Um, but that's sort of the dumbed-down version of what was taken very seriously, particularly in Europe, Scotland, Ireland, um, the UK, um, Germany, France, where they all had their traditions of the, of, as I said, of, quote, the little people. And, um, you know, they were very often live in sort of caverns and caves and things like this and you know this is sort of where we get a lot of the legends of fairies and goblins and brownies and things like that um, but you often find that there's a reality in most uh, mythology and folklore and you know just a few years ago about 15 years ago there was the discovery um, that what became known as Floris Man um, or it became more popularly known, uh, <coughs> excuse me, as um, like this sort of, almost like a goblin-type creature. Uh, so we know that there were sort of like primitive small humanoids um, going back 10, 20, 30,000 years. And so I think there were, um, you know, genuine sort of small uh, you know, humanoid-type figures that were probably an offshoot of the human race and that, you know, existed in stealth and they would hide out, etc., etc. Um, 
But then again, you know, you have the more magical aspects, you know, like when you mentioned you, you know, people would see these things and they would almost go into like a like a trance and they would be taken to the, you know, the fairy kingdom, that kind of thing. And um, and time would slow down and, and it, everything seemed strange. And it, actually, in many respects, the stories are very similar to like alien abductions today, you know, and uh, so that there are some parallels there. But um, I still get reports of, you know, occasionally, not many, but occasionally I'll get reports of people who've seen sort of small humanoids. Um, a friend of mine, Mac Tonis, he, he died young, unfortunately, in, in 2010. But he wrote a book called The Crypto Terrestrials just before he died. And um, he talked in there about um, traditions of like the little people. And he felt that it was a genuine phenomenon which had been sort of you know, kind of discarded almost by, you know, the folklore of, of fairies and things like that. So I, I do think we could make a good case that there are around the world sort of primitive humanoids that keep away from us and they're occasionally seen and that they've led to the development of the mythology of, of things like, um, you know, goblins and... Um, I think just think you know brownies, fairies, that kind of thing. So. Well, in Iceland, they still take that very serious. I mean, they'll. I, I gotta be honest oh, yeah. with you. The idea of a bunch of little people like running in here and not being able to swat them off and and you know trying to attack you, run up your pant leg and stuff like mice. That would that, that well, be, it's kind of scary. Well, yeah. I mean, in Iceland, I mean, for example. Um, you know, they take it extremely seriously, the little people. I mean, this is not a joke or an exaggeration, but in some areas in Iceland where they believe that sacred sites of the little people still exist, they will actually divert a new road around those areas because they feel it's bad luck to, you know, to sort of affect and damage the sacred areas and sacred sites of the little people. And, you know, I mean, you imagine you know, sort of one of our highways and the, you know, the um, the local county guy who, whose job it is, you know, to sort of work on the road. So, sorry, you know, we can't um, put the road going through that particular area because it's a sacred little people site. You know, people, the, the person would probably be, like, locked up for being crazy, but <laughs> in Iceland, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we don't sort of affect or you know, damage that safety yeah, site. But it's, you know, but it's okay, stories. we'll just, yeah, yeah we'll just make the road go around it, you know, well, and everybody's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's stories where they're building roads and then, you know, the machinery keeps breaking down, breaking down, breaking down, and then they bring in, and this is not the correct term, they bring in like a ferryologist and they'll say, oh, well, you're in a sacred area, you got to move this road. And they move the yep. road. Yep, I mean, they, they, do. they do. They're like, well, you know what, sorry, we kind of veered the road in this area and the machines won't work every night. There's mischief, and they're like, and then when they move the road, they don't have any problems. Hmm. I mean, there's, yeah, there's tons of stories like that. Well, I think one of the reasons why people think it's strange is because, you know, it's so different to the majority of the way modern-day civilization is. But if you think about it, it was only sort of four or 500 years ago, you know, that um, widespread belief in goblins, in fairies, in gnomes, and, you know, all those kind of things. And, you know, people back then kind of, you know, were revered the, the fairies, but they were frightened of them as well. You know, it was kind of like you had to be careful how you tackled with them and so on. Um, and that's not that long ago. I mean, it was still up to like 300 years ago in the UK, you know, they were still burning people at the stake, you know, so... Um, yeah, well, they were doing that. So in other words, um, so in other words, you know, tradition, ancient traditions in the world of the supernatural um, really did dominate the lives of people for centuries. I mean, 300 years ago, a black cat runs in front of you. I mean, that was a major issue, you know. You don't think about it today, and... Um, but back then, I mean, a lot of things were were dictated and, and um, dominated by, you know, the, by supernatural phenomena that we kind of, we've kind of lost that sensation to a large degree um, of like this magical realm. You know, people just think it's just a, for Hollywood or whatever, but I don't think it is. You know, I think um, 
there's way more you know to the world a lot more mysteries than we understand and we've just relegated them to tales to tell your kids you know before they go to sleep at night hey nick and 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 i apologize if i have the wrong book but i but i think there's a chapter in one of your books about secret societies am i in the right track um, well, there's a few books where I've t- sort of touched on secret societies. Is, yeah. is there is there one that that's, it's a UK story about um, uh, there's a where you, you take cats and you you put you roast them for for oh, how many yeah. days? Oh, this is this is a creepy one. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, give us a give us a. <laughs> This is a well, this, this is a good one. <laughs> yeah, this is um, a tradition that goes back centuries, like four or five hundred centuries in Scotland, and it's called the Tyam. But it's it's T A I G H uh, E I R M, and um, basically what it was, it was like this, um, like you said, like a secret society of powerful people who would essentially get into what you would call like a Faustian pact. You know, you do a deal with the devil to for money, for power, etc., etc. And people would sort of um, take part in these pacts, and it would involve, it'd be kind of grisly, but it would be, they would throw cats, unfortunately, onto the fires, and they would go through this ritual, the ritual of the Tyam, and supposedly... Out of the flames would come these huge black cats with fiery red eyes, and you would you would sort of say or think to this supernatural large cat, "What it's you want? Is it money? Is it power? What is it?" And reportedly, you know, you would you would get something in return, but you had to sort of um, you know th- there would be a, a price to pay. You know, you might have to do something on their part. Um, but that's the the tie, um, this rich, kind of really grisual, excuse me, grisly ritual um, went on for a long, long time. And there are actually rumours that in some of the wilder, more desolate and uh, forested parts of Scotland that it's still practised, you know, kind of you give me something, I'll give you something. And it's like this supernatural pact between a human and, and a demon, basically. Am I, is my memory correctly that they would put these cats, live cats, on a spit, and you had to turn it for like two days over yeah. a fire, and then if you know you had to, you couldn't break the the turning of it, and then that would basically gin up these 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 spirits or whatever. Nick knows more than I do, obviously, and, and yeah. it, crazy. And that there were, and that, and if I think I remember correctly, Nikki, you referenced that there were certain powerful families in Scotland that believe were part of this, I don't know, secret society or secret pact, even to this day. Yeah, well, in Scotland, you know, you've got a lot of old families, you know, that uh, they've still got their own, the castles, you know, still exist from three, four hundred years ago. And, and there are rumors that some of these powerful families, you know, that have, ancestries going back you know six seven hundred years that kind of thing but they kind of still you know understand the old ways and these old beliefs and um and are willing to sort of enter into a pact as a means to continue the power of that particular family or this particular family but yeah it was like a long drawn out process um of you know, unfortunately, roasting these cats, and then eventually there would be the the sudden appearance of kind of what looked like something like a black jaguar, something like that, um, you know, like a large black panther type uh, kind of cat. That's how they would appear as you know, you they would throw that or put on the small, the regular cats, but then out of the flames would come these large, sort of red eyed. Know, really big kind of uh, cat-like animals, and then, and then you would sort of say what you wanted, and then, and then you have to sort of abide by your part of the bargain. So. Sort of like making a deal with the devil. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Jeez. Mm-hmm. I mean, and to hear a story like that, that has to be like going back to the fairies and a little. There has to be some element of truth. Element of truth to right. that because. We have good imaginations. I'm never. I couldn't I, even make something. I'm like not that. making up. And as much as I dislike cats, 
I really am not going to go to that length of roasting of roasting no. a cat. Well, Scotland, you know, Scotland has, oh, has my cats, but it's just not my favorite. <laughs> but you don't, red. Want, you don't want to roast one. Nick, no. Scotland has a has a very famous black cat that, that roams the moors and stuff, don't they? Am I or am I wrong on that? Yeah, well, actually, a lot of uh, people every year see um, large black cats in the UK. Now, of course. You know, there are no large, or there should not be any large black cats in the UK. The only cats in the UK are house cats, you know, pet cats. And there's also in Scotland, there's what's called the Scottish wild cat. But, I mean, they're pretty vicious, but they, they're only really very, very slightly bigger than a normal house cat. And their build is just like a regular house cat. But they're just slightly bigger. But they're, they're nothing to be frightened of. They're just kind of hiss at you and scowl and wander off back into the woods. But we're talking about people seeing... Wait, are you talking about my ex-wife? Or no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. You said that, me, not me. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, every year people, probably 40, 50 reports per year, maybe something like that, people see huge, uh, large black cats look something, like I said, like a black jaguar, that kind of thing. Um, black panther, black leopard. Um, now, there's nothing indigenous, you know, to the UK that anything like that. But people report them to this day. But what's interesting, you know, people have often said, well, they've just escaped from zoos and enclosures, and you know, somebody's had it as a secret pet, and it's got too big, and they had to let it go. That may well be the case in some examples. But what's interesting is is the places where these large black cats in the UK to this day are still seen. And very often it's like graveyards, um, cemeteries, old bridges, um, which are all classic places sort of connected to the paranormal. Um, a friend, well, not so much a friend of mine, but a colleague of mine, Marcus Matthews, um, Marcus told me probably about 15 years ago that he investigated a case where somebody had seen uh, one of these large black cats in a crop circle in England. And they've also been seen around ancient stone circles in the UK. Not specifically Stonehenge, but there are a lot of smaller stone uh, stone circles in the UK. And they've been seen around them. So I think there could be some sort of connection between what was going on with, with the tire um, uh, like centuries ago and the black cats we see in the UK today, I think they could somehow be a connection because you would not see, you know, it's one thing to see a large black cat roaming around, you know, the size of, of sort of like a leopard, but then to see it in a crop circle or a stone circle or in a graveyard, that really kind of pushes it down like a paranormal pathway. So I think the old traditions of, you know, the, the doing the deals with these large black cats. You know, I think it could be somehow interconnected with what people are seeing today. And there, and these are widespread. These are the, the Scottish Highlands, uh, Celtic legends in, in Ireland. And uh, yep. I think some some people associate them as sort of a fairy creature, a spectral. Yeah. Uh, well, you wonder if you, if you summon up like a big, you know, supernatural... What if it takes the more physical form of the leopard or, you know, the panther type? Well, there's, there's a legend. There's a legend, I think, in Ireland. I think under Celtic or maybe even Gaelic, they believe that these large cats are actually witches that have the power to transform from a person to, to a cat nine times within their lifespan. That that is, that that, 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 that so these are witches that you're seeing versus, you know, a spectral ghostly thing. So it's all over the board. Yeah, you're right. I mean, um, if you go back and you look into the you know mythology of say the 1600s and 1700s, yeah, that you know you see a large black cat. You know, it, it's basically like a shape-shifting witch, that kind of thing. And it was believed that um, you know witches could change into like um, well, large black cats, um, bats, large uh, birds like ravens, um, frogs, toads. Um, Hedgehogs, you know, anything that was sort of, um, you know, could scurry around the um, the landscape and not be sort of perceived or seen for what they actually were. You know, um, again, you know, you see a large, 
and a large black cat, uh, or, or even just a regular house cat or a toad comes into your home, you know, a frog comes hopping into your home. Things like that were like a, you know, today we just put it outside, you know, in the local river or whatever, giving it its freedom, you know. But back then, to have something like that happen in your house, I mean, you know, your next door neighbor tells you they saw that, a frog in your house, you could be hauled off, you know, and fried on the on the spit, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'd be a little miffed if the judge got turned into a black panther and I got turned into a hedgehog. Right. Yeah, that's like I'm getting the short end of the stick. I would think that the hedgehog is, is more kingdom. along your spirit animal. <laughs> My so, so, spirit Nick, animal. so, Nick, you know, awesome topics tonight because, you know, a lot of our listeners, you know, they probably, and I'm not going to say that I should say this, or maybe I should say it, maybe they get tired of hearing about Bigfoot. Uh, tonight we got to talk about a lot of different topic areas. Well, Bigfoot's that, a rock star, but you know so, he, yeah. he is. But but you know, to, to there's a lot of people out there that that want to hear more than than about Bigfoot. Um, yeah, that's so, true. Mm-hmm. So it was awesome talking to you tonight about different different things. Um, and and if and I can't say this enough. If you're interested in the paranormal and cryptids and secret society, all kinds of stuff. Go get Nick's monster book. It's a 421 pages of easy reading. It's exciting. Um, you don't have to sit down for an hour and read it. You can pick it up and read five, ten pages at a time. Uh, to me, it, it, it sits by my bed. And if I get five, ten, and I have a busy life, five, ten minutes, love to pick it up. Love you to just read say it. he has a busy life. I have a busy life. <laughs> So, but uh, but well, Nick, what? So before we let you before we let you go, is are you what you working on anything new? You got any new books you're working on that are coming out? Any television appearances? Projects that you'd like yeah. to to let people know about? Um, I'm not so, not so much TV because you know with all the restrictions on travel and everything, everything's even you know sort of paranormal TV. Yeah, pretty that's, much that's the reason. To a halt right now. That's the reason but, I'm not um, on TV right now too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but in terms of um, books, I've just had a, a new one come out last about three weeks ago called Assassinations, and it's like a history of assassinations throughout history going from like Julius Caesar and um, the Pharaohs, Jack the Ripper, um, who shot JFK, why was John Lennon killed, and and post 9-11 assassinations, things like that. And then in August, I've got a book coming out called Monsters of the Deep, which is like a, a, again, like a 400 pages long study of sea serpents, lake monsters, giant turtles, giant squid, things like that. Oh, and yes. then to then towards the end of the year, I've got a book coming out called The Martians. And um, and that's a study of whether in the distant past, uh, Mars may have been like the Earth and there could have been a Martian race. And uh, so it looks at the issue of, you know, a lot of these strange structures that have been photographed on Mars by NASA and whether there was, you know, a race that, similar to us that maybe destroyed themselves millions of years ago and there are a few remnants of their civilization left so that what that one will be out in october the judge the judge would now like to retract his statement about he leads a busy life i was gonna say i don't know <laughs> three <My> books <laughs> three books all the research into it because having read nick's books well the, these are these are books that you you can tell they're incredibly well well written. He puts a lot of time into them, so it takes a lot of research hours. I can't imagine. Well, it does, but um, but a lot of people don't read. People think I do this like twenty four seven. I don't have a life, you know. But uh, that's actually not true. I mean, what I, what I like to do, I I work. I do. I write nine to five, Monday to Friday. That's sort of how I like to do it. You know, I get up at breakfast watch a bit of news, mess around on Facebook for a while. And I, and I like to work like night, uh, nine to five doing the writing. And then five o'clock comes round, I put the laptop in sleep mode and it doesn't get touched till next, the next morning, 9 a.m. And then Fridays, um, I usually stop work about four o'clock. The laptop goes into sleep mode at 4 p.m. 
Friday. I don't touch it again till Monday morning. So that way, I've got evenings free. I've got every weekend free, you know, and um, it might be like, you know, Friday night, I'll take a girlfriend out, you know, for dinner. And then Saturday night, I'll go out with a bunch of friends. We'll go and see a band or whatever. But not right now. I mean, we're all stuck inside. But I mean, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I like to sort of balance having a fun, you know, social life. Uh, but I, I'm good at like switching off and, and giving myself plenty of time. So that leads into a segue, and I think we're going to ask you a question that maybe no other podcast or TV show has asked you. Oh, boy. If, <laughs> if we pick you up in the RV, what intoxicating liquors do you want us to bring? <laughs> oh, um... Well, there's one beer that I really like. It's called Stack. Have you ever heard of it? Never heard of it. No, most people haven't. <laughs> it gets hidden away in gas stations mainly. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it's like it's called Stack, and and it's a it's a it's a beer. It's like um, it's a, like a clear beer, um, but it, it's ten percent proof, and it's it's beer. And um, all right. Well. So I like I like Stack. Yeah. Um, I like whiskey and coke. Um, that's I, my two. I think we can accommodate. Two, uh, <laughs> we, we can accommodate you. And then, where would be the first? Where would we point the RV to first? Obviously, we're not driving. We're not, to we're not going to Australia. Australia. We're not going driving to Australia. Australia to do giant lists. You're gonna get off at ease. Well, I, I think it might be Point Pleasant because I haven't been there for a while. I've been about eight, oh. eighteen months, and um, I really like you know going to all around the Mothman areas, you know, not just the town itself, which is a cool, you know, you've got the, you've got the museum and, you know, all the other, the big displays and the, the statue of Mothman. But also, you know, you can go and still see the exact places where the Mothman was seen in 66, 67. And, um, and it's just sort of a cool place to go. So I think that would have to be first. And then maybe make a very short, this uh, journey, maybe about an hour and a half, to Flatwoods, West Virginia, where they had the Flatwoods monster in the uh, 1950s, and um, and then just sort of keep going, you know, one to the other. I, I well, like to go, see, I want to go down to Kentucky. So to he needs to fly to Columbus, then we can pick him up and go. Oh, no, the, <laughs> and I don't want to drive to Because Nixon, Nixon, Texas, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Texas, oh, Texas is wonderful. Listen, Texas, and I've been researching this, Texas has the largest motorhome dealerships in, oh, in the world. So no, we're just gonna buy it there. We're just gonna no, buy it. Gonna there. Buy it. I'm gonna fly down, buy it, throw Nick in the back. You're gonna drive. Nick, Jason, and, and I. You guys are gonna be drinking stacked. We're, we're just beer. gonna get, we're gonna get hammered drunk. Yeah. And uh, by the time we sober up, we'll be to the Mothman Festival. And Lisa can can meet us there. She can meet us there. <laughs> short drive. Okay. But I want to take a trip, Nick. Over to Spotsville, Kentucky, home of the Spotsville Monster. Oh, that's right. Yep. Great. Hey, all those, all those aren't that very far apart. So, and uh, I tell you what, when we're driving between nine and five, we won't bother you. You, you can ride. On your you can ride. <laughs> I'm gonna sleep. I'll sleep. We'll do it this way. Grover, you drive. I'll sleep oh, no. from nine to five. You'll st- and then we'll yeah. be up all night. No, I won't be working nine to five if I'm in the, in the vehicle. It's I do. All, it's all good. <laughs> I, I do have. I do have. Before but, we let you. I mean, joking aside, the main reason why I do, I, lo- I mean, it isn't just because of the social side. I like to take weekends off and evenings, but also it's just so I don't get burned out. And yeah. I've found that if you do try and, if you, particularly with writing, if you try and to write your best, but you burn yourself out, it, you just don't do. It just doesn't work well, so you know you, you need that kind of you know it's whether if you work at a you know the local store or your car mechanic or whatever you 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 want your time off otherwise you just kind of get it, frazzled. It's interesting, and that's sort of the same with me, really. You know, it's interesting because when I studied for the bar exam, a guy told me he said, "Listen, treat it like a job. Get up, study from nine to five. That's eight hours." And then you have the rest of the day because the bar studying for the bar exam in Ohio will absolutely yeah. murder you, burn you out. You'll be frazzled. And, and a guy said, "Listen, any studying you do after eight hours is wasted study time. Your retention yeah. zero." Right. But, I, uh, but I wouldn't want, like I said at the beginning, I, I wouldn't want people to think I view it just as a job. I don't. You know what I do yeah. is is my passion. Um, 
you know, that's the primary thing. If I wasn't, if I hadn't got that enthusiasm for it, I'd be going back to like a forklift driver that I was before, you know. Well, you so, still uh, got the license. You still, got, still got the license, yeah. So, nice so Grover's going to pitch, Grover's going to pitch to the to Travel Channel. Oh, yeah. Travels with Nick. Oh, there you on go. His, on, the, on the forklift. Yeah, yeah travel with <laughs> Nick. And we'll, we'll just drive around, we'll drive around the country and we'll get a forklift with you if you want to do some show <laughs> Now, now I do want to before before we let you go. Now I did I stopped for the first time last summer in Point Pleasant on the way back from the Carolinas. That is one weird, like what, what's the feeling you get standing there in Point Pleasant? I mean, because I remember just standing there and just kind of soaking it in, well, and, and it was late. It was after everything was closed. Like it was like six o'clock. The, even the museum was closed and stuff, mm-hmm. and. I tell you what, it was a weird vibe. Like, mm-hmm. like, am I imagining that, or is that just? No, it, it does have that eerie feeling to it. You know, the town. It's uh, particularly if you're sort of walking around like nine o'clock and you see the, you know, the big silver statue of Mothman, and um, and it, and it is kind of like a, you know, the the downtown area that time of night is, you know, quite quiet. You know. But what also I kind of find a little bit eerie, but in a cool way, is that, you know, when you actually get out of the town itself, um, you know, you've got huge hills. I mean, almost like mountains, you know, but just covered in trees and bushes. And it kind, you kind of get the feeling that, wow, things really could hide in there and never be found, you know. It, it's just massive amounts of, of woodland, you know, and on huge hills and um, gigantic hills. You know, you could really you know, driving along and think to yourself, well, you know, there could be like primitive Bigfoot-type creatures, you know, just sort of staring down at the roads, you know, down below, like 200 feet down or whatever. So you do get that feeling that um, there's a lot of kind of secrets in that area. Well, that's just great because I just thought it was weird. Now you've given me a whole lot, another level of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> being creeped out. <laughs> oh man! Well, if you if you do make it back to Point Pleasant, we we'll meet you there with some stack. Be- I'll leave the judge and he can he can find the stack beer. I'm going to the gas station try to find some stack beer. <laughs> that's the, honestly that's the only places I I can find it, and so. Uh... Being I from the, the U- I guess being I guess being from the UK. Uh, beer over there probably has a higher alcohol content. Is that is that why you gravitate towards that? Yeah, it, it is. But uh, yeah, but I like the taste of it as yeah. well. But uh, it's just a nice, you know, it's a nice cold beer. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, on that note, I hope. I wonder how many of our listeners will go out and try to. I wonder how many listeners go. Oh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go buy some stack stock and see because it's going to go up after. In this Everyone. episode, of, can, this episode from the shadows. Maybe they can make sh- him bad, like uh, yeah. spokesperson. You or should. Yeah, yeah this man. this episode of From the Shadows podcast is brought to you <laughs> by <laughs> Nick Redford and Stack. <laughs> Nick Redford approves Stack. You know, that kind of oh man! So if you walk out tomorrow and there's a case of that on your front desk, maybe or <laughs> yeah. front or front walk, that'd be a little bit better than some files from. From, from uh, say yeah, the Philadelphia know, Philadelphia. Know someone's listening. <laughs> the, the Philadelphia Experiment's an old hat. We're talking stack beer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Nick, hey, it was it was awesome. Spend a couple hours hearing you tell some stories. Well, and, thanks, uh, guys. Thank you. We really, uh, we yeah. certainly. Thank you for being on, Nick. Yeah. Well, thanks, and, and happy Appreciate anniversary you. to yeah. Lisa and Nick at the, the yeah. anniversary of their first meeting. Yeah, happy yeah. anniversary, you two. Now you can spook <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that, that was spooky. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that goes, that goes right back into your little synchronicity. Synchronicity. Ladies and gentlemen, a final word. Please visit us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash from the shadows podcast. And on our Instagram page at Instagram.com forward slash from the shadows podcast. You can visit our webpage at from the shadows podcast Or contribute to our Facebook discussion page called after the shadows. 
and tweet us on our Twitter feed at twitter.com forward slash podcast underscore from. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to hearing from you all. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.